Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Favorite Show, the podcast where we talk about our favorite things. Every week, we'll pick a different topic to discuss, and since best can be subjective, we talk about the things that are our favorites. My name's Aaron. Uh, I'm Shannon. <laughs> we still have not worked this out. Okay, Shannon and uh, I, and we're but also I'm joined with a couple of guests, Nolan and Eileen. Welcome. Woo-hoo. This is actually pretty funny. Uh, so Shannon, you're you're up in Utah, but me and Nolan and Eileen are in the same room. This yes. does not happen very hey. often for this podcast record. <laughs> welcome back. Yes, welcome back. I don't have any emails to read this week, uh, but I do have one update. Shannon, I just sent you a TikTok. Going back to, I, I guess it kind of qualifies as a fish. It's a it's a sea creature. I learned of the sea sheep. I guess I guess this could fit in several categories of fish and or obscure animals, maybe because I'd never heard of such a thing. Apparently, this was only discovered in just like the last couple of decades. I feel like yeah. You, yeah, I, I, I think you're ready to talk this. about it. Let's hear. <laughs> yeah, I heard about this just recently, and it's this weird little creature that's like kind of like a weird little sea slug, and it uses algae and it uses some process where it basically uses the algae that it eats to also be able to photosynthesize. Yeah, it's an animal that photosynthesizes. And its face looks like Sean the Sheep, which is really cool. <laughs> like, it's a cute little guy. Anyway, that's that's my update. Go look up the sea sheep. They're really cool. How do I get a fish tank full of these guys? They're cute. <laughs> <laughs> how, how big are they? They're very small. So uh, can you really see them in a fish tank? Ooh. Like how, like, are they like plankton or what? I actually don't know that's for scale how big. Okay, we got to, we got to Google gotta, it. We got to look it up. <laughs> let's, let's take a look here. Only reach a maximum size of one centimeter. Oh, okay. <laughs> Once, that's, I thought you were going to say one inch. One oh, yeah. centimeter is little. So you can yeah. see them, but you probably better have a magnifying glass at your fish tank. <laughs> Man. <laughs> yeah, Wikipedia says from five millimeters to one centimeter. That's how big they, they are. They are so cute. Little guys. Uh, but that's all I have as far as updates. Uh, anybody, anybody else have anything they want to talk about before we jump in? Nope. All right, cool. Well, then let's get on with it. This week, we are talking about our favorite planets, which is funny because we had a, a, our topic a while back, music topic about our favorite pianists. And Catherine wrote in that she said when she first saw the episode pop up, she thought I said favorite planets. And then she was like, actually, that'd be a good topic. Put it on your list. So <laughs> here we are. <laughs> but yeah, favorite planets. And uh, uh, when I was texting uh, all of us about, about this topic, I said, you know, real or fictional, it's all good. But uh, I've got I've got quite a list. I just am realizing I failed yet again another week in a row of not assigning who's going first. Anybody have a preference? Shannon, you want to jump in or should I kick it off or what do you? It doesn't matter to me. I think you should kick it off if you have a long list. All yeah. Right. Well, I'm going to just go with probably everybody's favorite planet, which is Earth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is on my list. It's you know, on mine too. And I thought, oh, is that cheating? But I, I guess if everybody <laughs> said it. Well, here's... Here's the deal. Not only is Earth home to everything I've ever known, basically, <laughs> but it is cool as I'm as I was looking up, and I had a few planets that spring to mind. But of course, looking at all of the different planets and the diversity of planets out there, you have the gas giants, you have the little, you know, sun baked little rocks like Mercury <laughs> and whatever. Uh, you have such a wide range, but Earth is such an interesting and unique planet. And not that it's the only one of its kind. Like, we have found exoplanets that seem like they could potentially be very similar to Earth. But just all of the things that Earth has, aside from just, you know, 70% of the planet is water, the 
atmosphere that not only keeps in a collection of gases that life can breathe, but also is able to like filter things like sun rays or, or what, the, the all the stuff that would like kill us <laughs> from the sun <laughs> or whatever, like, you know, radi- background radiation and things like that, that our, our planet does. All of the uniqueness of just, I don't know, there's so much balance and the, the way the active tectonics are working to give us mountains and to, all these things, like, it's just a cool, it's a cool and unique planet when you look at all of the ones out there. It's pretty cool. Earth's moon is unusual also in terms of at least, you know, planets that we know of. Um, you know, most planets, their moons are proportionally much smaller. You know, Mars has a couple like tiny little moons. And then something like Jupiter or Saturn has, you know, many, many like dozens of moons. But <laughs> yeah. but those are very massive planets. But Earth, we got like one moon and it's pretty big and it's like always the same size face as us. And, you know, and like that in in and of itself, also like the tides are like a big part of earth life, you know, in the ocean, which covers a lot of the earth. Yeah. Yeah. Earth's pretty great. (laughs) Yeah. Like the, the specific distance we are from the sun and the, the way the earth rotates and the tilt of the earth that gives us seasons and so many habitable places on the planet. Like it's just a pretty cool place aside from the fact that it's, you know, the only place that we have confirmed in the universe <laughs> that has life. Not to say it's not out there, but it's it's the one we have given a check mark to so far. <laughs> so I have it on my list also. And uh, I, I have a quote even. <laughs> Let's hear um, it. So this is from uh, Carl Sagan. And uh, this is called The Pale Blue Dot, if anybody is familiar with I love that. this. Yeah. I am. Um, So the pale blue dot that was a specific photograph taken by the Voyager 1 space probe, that it was like so far from the Earth. So, you know, the job of this probe was to study some of the outer planets. You know, it doesn't, there's no coming back. Like it's just drifting off indefinitely into space uh, with its momentum that it had before. And, you know, Carl Sagan wanted to turn around and like take a photo of the earth when it was very far away and not for scientific purposes but just just to do it right just to have this photo of earth and so you can look up the photo on the internet pale blue dot and the earth in this image is less than one pixel so there's like this little dot in the image and and so i'll read it a piece of this quote that he says he said look again at that dot that's here that's home that's us On it, everyone you love, everyone you know, everyone you ever heard of, every human being who ever was, lived out their lives. And he goes on to talk about, like, you know, all the history and the rulers and the wars and, like, people, you know, doing so much to have control over this tiny piece of this tiny dot and how it kind of puts things into perspective. Uh, You know, and Ian's the end of the quote is, to me, it underscores our responsibility to deal more kindly with one another and to preserve and cherish the pale blue dot, the only home we've ever known. And um, so that quote, I've always found that really powerful and just the perspective of you go day to day, like you have such stress, at least I do. I think everybody I know, you know, has got your to-do list or you got your things that you meant to do or you forgot to do or, you know, deadlines, all this, all this stuff going on. And 
it's nice to sort of take a step back. You know, I feel like I hear this every time you hear like an astronaut talk about like looking out of the window of the space station or whatever, like the perspective that Earth is just this little thing. And, you know, like not that our lives are not important, but that our day-to-day worries, like it'll pass. It, it's fine. It's like one little, one little thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like that. One of my favorite photographs of the Earth ever is one that Michael Collins, who was one of the three Apollo 11 astronauts, he took this photo of the moon with the Earth in the background while he was alone in the, the command module while Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin were down on the surface of the moon. And it it's Michael Collins is the only person ever who's not in that photo. <laughs> it's kind of crazy to think. It's pretty cool. I just was like, man, perspective. Crazy. So one fun fact about the Earth is that if the entire history of the planet of Earth was the length of your arm, the time that dinosaurs have been around would be maybe like a half of your finger long, and then the time that humans have been around would literally be like your fingertip So we haven't been around that long. It is interesting when you think of some of those big numbers. I saw a video just recently of Neil deGrasse Tyson saying that if the Earth was a cube or if 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 you took the earth and made it the size of a pool ball like a cue ball or whatever it would be smoother than any machined cue ball ever made because of the size of the earth like you think of mount everest the marianas trench how they're so tall and so deep but compared to how large around the earth is just like as a planet it's the earth is so smooth i was like that's crazy like thinking thinking in that perspective so yeah anyway yeah i've seen that clip so yeah That's Earth. Earth. Pretty well covered. It's a good place to be. It's a favorite planet. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go on to some other non-where-we-are planets. (laughs) Uh, Shannon, you want to do the next one? Sure. Our little collection of planets that we have for our neighbors. My favorite is Uranus or Uranus, which I love as a planet because it's weird that it rotates the, the opposite way of... The almost all of the rest of our planets, Venus, I learned today, also rotates in the opposite direction. But what is also unique to Uranus is that it is rotating on its side. So, like in comparison to other planets, it is sideways and rotating the wrong way. A lesser known fact: it does have um, some rings that you know. When we think about our planets, pretty much common knowledge: Saturn has rings, but actually, a lot of the planets in our solar system have rings. It has 13 of them, specifically. Uh, It is an ice giant. It has a thick atmosphere made up of methane, hydrogen, and helium. The methane is what gives it kind of that blue color. It has 27 known moons and was discovered in 1781 by William Herschel in Great Britain. So there you go. Cool. Which one you guys to go first? Nolan, Eileen, you got a preference? I guess I can take it. Cool, go for it. So, going much further away from the planet of Earth. In fact, many, many, many light years away, 40.7 to be exact, there is a planet called TRAPPIST-1e. And this planet, what makes it really interesting is that it has actually been thought that it may be a planet that is more likely to have life on it because it has a very similar mass, density, gravity, radius, temperature, and stellar flux, which is how bright the star is, to Earth. Um, It was discovered only in 2017, so it's a very recent discovery, but it uh, spins around a red dwarf star along with seven other exoplanets in that system. 
Um, one thing that's really interesting about this planet is that it is always day on the same side, meaning that it has no daylight, day-night cycle, um, and that is called tidal lock. And the sky on the planet, because of its, um, because it rotates around a red dwarf star, is just a very bright shade of red. Cool. That's really cool. Ailey, you're really cool. <laughs> I really like listening to you saying all this. <laughs> well, that, this stuff's all really exciting because. You said it was discovered pretty recently, but all the planets outside of our solar system were discovered pretty recently. You know, they were like, they're pretty much all within, not your lifetime, Eileen, but my lifetime, um, the, the adults here on the podcast. Like, you know, they didn't really confirm and recognize any exoplanets until, uh, let me see, 1992, says my, my phone. Which is oh, so wild. And Shannon, you weren't, oh, you weren't. No. Oh, you're, well, you're when younger. I was a young child, Pluto was a planet. <laughs> but no, but I, I think all these like exoplanets are super interesting. And as we find more, like the idea that like, whoa, what if some of them are like Earth-like? What if some of them are in that Goldilocks spot of not too hot, not too cold? Maybe they could have life. <laughs> yeah, right in that habitable zone. Yeah. 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 I mean, I so Eile, I I'll, I'll bring this up because I happen to know it. Eile learned about some of these exoplanets at a pretty cool place. Why don't you tell everybody, Eile? Yes. So, uh, in the past year, me and a friend of mine both went to the Jet Propulsion Laboratory. NASA's Jet Propulsion yeah. Laboratory. And we got to go around and see things, and one of the exhibits that they have there is on exoplanets. So, some of my planets that I'm talking about today are from that very exhibit. Pretty cool. Really cool, yeah. I have, I have one exoplanet on my honorable mentions. I'll get to that later. You might bring it up. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so, so JPL, that's where they don't. You know, people know like Houston, like Houston, we have a problem or like, you know, some of the other NASA locations. Um, this Jet Propulsion Laboratory, they don't deal with any manned missions, but like the rovers and on Mars and like other stuff, you know, out there finding stuff out. That's that's from the Jet Propulsion Laboratory. So, so cool. Yeah. Pretty, pretty cool stuff. All right. Well, I guess that means it's my turn. And yeah, go for I it. will take things in a very different direction. One of my favorite planets is... Coruscant. <laughs> That's yeah. my list too. Yeah. From, from the Star Wars, uh, from the Star Wars universe. <laughs> and Coruscant, for those that may not know, Coruscant, despite being in many Star Wars movies, did not originate there. It actually made its first appearance in one of the books in the 90s. And I know you all had a podcast talking about, yeah. uh, you know, science fiction yeah. books. Yeah. So this book I read when I was a kid. It's Heir to the Empire. And so the book takes place after Return of the Jedi. And for the first time, they were going to like the capital city or the capital planet of the galaxy, the head of the government. You know, there's like now, now things were settling because they finally defeated the empire. And it was so cool in my imagination that the whole planet, the entire planet is covered by buildings. It's like a big, you know, Hong Kong or New York or Tokyo planet wide. And because it's sci-fi future or or maybe past because it's a long time ago in a galaxy <laughs> yes, yeah. far, far away. It's but it's so the the buildings are like hundreds of stories tall, and like there's areas down deep 
in the lower levels that are like dark and seedy and and those books were pretty popular and so that planet sure enough that planet then later made its way to Star Wars special edition when Return of the Jedi got its special edition treatment yeah. and then it appeared in the prequels and now it's appeared in you know many other things uh Andor the TV show I quite enjoyed that TV show had had a good number of scenes on Coruscant yeah yeah, I was really excited to get some more of it from Andor because it was one of my favorite planets that we got to explore a lot in the prequels. And then when they gave us the sequels, one of the first things they did was blow up Coruscant. And I was so mad. I was <laughs> not pleased. I, I love Coruscant. And now we finally had the good special effects to really do Coruscant justice. And they got rid of it. But yeah, I loved that Andor. We got to see more of it. And like in some of the animated series, we get to see it a lot too. Coruscant yeah. is so cool. I do remember we used to we thought it was pronounced Coruscant. Remember? Do you that's, remember? That's right. Oh. Because because we had a book and there were no movies yet. There was no movies or TV series where somebody said it. And there so, was no audio book of it. No, it was. There, all, I mean, there might have been an well, audio book. We, had, but we yeah. were right, like <laughs> your your kids. Your you know, we were like teenagers or preteens or whatever reading, and you just pronounce it in your head how you sounded it out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then my phone auto corrects it to Chris. <laughs> but yeah, it's a, that's a planet. If if all the planets were real from science fiction, there are a lot that I'd be very scared to go to. Right? There's a lot of dangerous yeah. worlds out there. But but this one, this one would be pretty nice. Like you could you could go to the nice areas, the you know the opera house or whatever. Like there's there's like a really nice apartment in Andor. That yeah, you know yeah. people. People live in this huge, endless city. I like it, yeah. As central as Tatooine is to the to the movies and the story and stuff, I don't really have much desire to go to that one, you know? Like, really, <laughs> it's just a big, hot desert with scary things in it. Like, the characters themselves don't want to be there, right? Yeah, nobody wants to be there. <laughs> Sand, it gets everywhere, you know? <laughs> But yeah, Coruscant would be cool. That's a, that's the one I that's what I could go for. <laughs> well, you just said it. I uh, that's out of order, but Tatooine was on my list just because it's so iconic and the double suns and it's so cool. But no, I never ever want to go to Tatooine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I, yeah. I it's on my list as well as an honorable mention. I always have a what's the right word? A, a nostalgia for Tatooine, yes. right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I guess that's my turn next. I will, let's talk about Saturn. Saturn is such a pretty planet. It is another one of the planets, uh, one of these gas giants in our, in our solar system that has so many moons. <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's a Rick and Morty episode where he, <laughs> Rick's, Rick is a little annoyed. He's like, I, I can't remember if it's Saturn or Jupiter. He's like, come on, after a while, you gotta quit naming them and start using numbers. <laughs> Because <laughs> he gets lost on the moon. A lot of them. Yes. But yeah, Saturn is a beautiful planet. I thought it was very interesting. I, I had read this somewhere once before, but then uh, getting into my research for the podcast, the rings on Saturn have not always been there. The rings, of course, are are made up of rocks and ice and debris, all these things that are that are that are floating around the planet in in their ring shape. Uh researchers believe that they're no more than four hundred million years old, which 
you know, for a human sounds like a lot of years, but considering some of our, you know, the planets in our solar system are in the billions of years old, 400 million is not a huge amount of time. And researchers estimate they may only be around for another 100 million after now. Uh, so yeah, they will eventually uh, dissipate or, you know, uh, collapse or, or uh, be drawn into the planet through gravity or, you know, how, whatever their fate is, they, they are not a permanent fixture of Saturn. Although we, you know, we get to enjoy them our whole lives. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. It also has really cool moons. I know Saturn and Jupiter, both with all their moons, uh, have such a diversity of them. Uh, it's kind of cool to see the moons that have volcanic activity or moons that have potentially, you know, liquid oceans on them. And th there have been a few missions that have gone that direction that are photographing and studying, but there are certain missions that are specifically going to some of the moons of Saturn and Jupiter to study them because they are so interesting. You know, we talk about exoplanets that maybe have these, these unique uh, conditions that could harbor some form of life. We potentially have that in our own solar system in some of these moons from Saturn and Jupiter. So that's uh, it's pretty exciting to to see some of this research happening. And uh, I don't know. I, I well, back in our YouTube uh, episode, I talked about NASA Spaceflight, which is one of these channels that always follows rocket launches and rocket development and stuff. And every time they are launching some cool mission that has you know a probe going to another planet or a rover going to another planet or you know. You know, James Webb Telescope or all of these things. I get so excited to see that stuff because it's so cool to see the the new photos and the new things we're learning about even within our own solar system. It's very exciting to me. Yeah, for sure. All right. I'm, I'm next. Okay. All right. I'm going to go there. I like Pluto. <laughs> <laughs> I made the joke already. Pluto is not a planet. It's a dwarf planet. But... I think it's still pretty neat anyway, <laughs> so I wanted to talk about it. <laughs> so obviously, yeah, with us growing up, Pluto is a planet, and then um, from more research and stuff, it was reclassified to a dwarf planet for a number of reasons. But some fun facts about Pluto that I think are very interesting is, first of all, um, Pluto is only about half the width of the United States. I did wow. not know that. It's that itty-bitty. But also, it has... A moon? It So, it sort of has a moon. It also sort of just has, like, a moon companion is how it was phrased in a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like a co-planet. Yeah. So cool, yeah. Co-dwarf so co planet. Yeah. <laughs> Which, and it's talking about how, so the moon is called Charon or Chiron, depends on your pronunciation. Which, Eileen, I thought you would also think that's cool. That with uh, mythology, Chiron is the guy who ferries people into the underworld and Pluto is the god of the underworld. So I thought that was a cool connection. I love when they do that with naming planets and stuff like Io and Jupiter and stuff like that. But Charon Chiron um, is pretty comparable in size with Pluto. Like it's smaller. Like I can, I can send you guys uh, this comparison to it, but it is the largest moon in comparison to its celestial body that it, is friends with <laughs> back to where i was saying that i think uranus is so cool that it's sideways pluto is another one that is uh sideways in comparison to how a lot of the other things are that we have in our solar system which is just kind of cool it has an oval shaped 
path that it goes on rather than our regular orbits that we see for a lot of the other planets in our solar system. Oh, there it is. I said it's already kind of, it's tipped on its side. Um, And it takes about 248 Earth years to have one Pluto year, which is kind of cool. It's a long time. Yeah. The other thing that I thought was really, really cool about it is, uh, Eile, your planet that you were discussing about how it's kind of only on that one side, that is how the moon is with Pluto, that the time it takes Pluto to complete a rotation is the exact same amount of time that it takes the moon to like travel around it. So it just looks like it's hovering in the same spot all the time, <laughs> which I think is kind of interesting to think about. Yeah. You know, another interesting fact that I, I know, happen to know, is because Pluto is so small in comparison to its moon, the moon actually doesn't orbit Pluto so much as Pluto and Chiron together orbit a point between them. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. They're just like spinning around each other in a very cold celestial dance. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And so, yeah, so they're, they're orbiting in a far out region of the solar system called the Kuiper Belt. They're cold and far away and small and interesting. And that's all. I was I just looked up on Wikipedia. It actually says Pluto has five moons. So obviously oh. Charon or however you say it is or Ch- how did you say it? Ch- Chiron? Chiron. Yeah. Some spellings have seen it C H A I R O N Chiron, but this one was not. So Charon, Chiron? Pluto's pal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's friend. But there are also four others. Styx, Nyx, Kerberos, and Hydra. Wait! Styx is the river and yeah. Nyx is the night god or Whatever. Yeah, because it's, it's she's like a <laughs> nymph or something, right? And did you say yeah. what were the other two, Aaron? Kerberos, the multi-headed. That's dog, the dog. Right? Yeah. And Hydra. Hydra. Oh, that- <gasps> They're all Greek mythology. That's pretty cool. I love that. That's great. All related. Yeah. I do love some of the photos. Uh, uh, The New Horizons mission, the spacecraft, was the first one to visit Pluto just in 2015 when it did its flyby. So the imagery we have, you know, before all of our stuff was from telescopes. And so now, just as of the last few years, we have these amazing photos of of the New Horizons that flew by. And it's so cool to see. I remember that, actually, because previously it was just fuzzy, you know, a a big circular blob, right? Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. I'm glad glad you brought that one up, Shannon, because it used to be a planet. (laughs) (laughs) It'll always be an honorary planet in my brain. That's right. When when our solar system has its parties, Pluto's the plus one. Well, Eileen, is, is, are right. you up now or do oh, you yeah. want me to go? I'm up. All right. So uh, earlier we were talking about Tatooine, which is obviously in Star Wars, the planet that Luke is from. And one of the things that's really cool about Tatooine is that it has two suns. But little did you know that that is a real thing that can happen to planets. So um, <laughs> The more it's called... you know. <laughs> <laughs> so that's called circumbinary. Uh, the planets, they're called circumbinary planets. And one example of these planets is an exoplanet called Kepler-16b, and it is a planet with about the same mass as Saturn and is a gas giant. It is 245 light years away, and uh, it indeed has two suns. I believe it only technically orbits around one of the suns, because the other sun technically orbits around the first sun. And then, so one year on that planet is about 229 days. But each of the suns orbits around each other every 41 days. That's pretty cool. That is cool. 
Good on you, Eileen. You got all the good sciency stuff. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> I wonder. Right. Where, I wonder where you get that from, Nolan. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I, I, so I guess I'm up next. So this technically not a planet, but if you could do Pluto, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to do one of the moons. We we talked. <laughs> you know, Aaron, you talked briefly about like these really cool moons of Saturn and Jupiter, and One that I was going to single out is Titan, which is the largest moon of Saturn. Uh, It is actually larger than Pluto, (laughs) (laughs) larger than any of the dwarf planets of the solar system. And the thing that is cool about Titan, you alluded to this earlier, Aaron, is this is one of those places where, where there is liquid. It's not water. It is methane. But it has a system where there's like lakes and bodies of, you know, liquid methane upon it. And another thing that is very cool about it is that we have pictures from the surface. We have actually landed a probe. We, the human race, (laughs) landed (laughs) the Huygens. I'm, I'm not completely sure about the pronunciation, but the Huygens spacecraft, which was built by the European Space Agency in collaboration with NASA as part of this mission, um, it landed on Titan, and you can see a photo. And, you know, the photo, it doesn't look like anything amazing. If you look up this photo of Titan, it looks like, I don't know, maybe southern Utah, like there's a bunch <laughs> of rocks on the ground, you know, some some rocks scattered on this dirty surface. But to know that it actually was taken, that image, on another place in our solar system, a moon, I find that super cool. So uh, that's just one of the many cool moons in our solar system I wanted to highlight, Titan. Yeah, that's super cool. Yeah, I just I pulled up this photo, and yeah, it's, it's, it's so cool. Like, that's, that's on a moon orbiting, like, a gas giant in our solar system. Oh, man, I love that. Uh, oh, it's my turn, isn't it? Let's see. Would like to talk about a fictional planet. Uh, it's one I definitely would never want to visit in person. Uh, and it's a planet called Char, which is from the video game StarCraft. StarCraft, we talked about on our video games, or one of our video game topics. It's one of my favorite games of all time, StarCraft Two, especially. And Char is a planet that you go to at the end of the first the first of the three StarCraft Two games. <laughs> That's confusing. <laughs> there, StarCraft Two has three installments. The first of those games, the you end up on Char as like kind of the final final battleground. And it's the place where the Zerg basically call home. And the Zerg, of course, are these like gross bug uh, alien creatures. So they live on this planet. Char is kind of that's kind of their home base. And Char is an awful place. It's super hot. There's volcanoes. There's lava flows. It's like super inhospitable. And it's just it's just a real awful place to be. But the reason I include it as one of my favorites is because all all the roads of this story in StarCraft II, uh, at least for the first installment, lead you to this big epic battle on this planet. And those final couple of levels in the game where you have these battles on Char are some of the most exciting, some of the most, you know, frantic keyboard typing I've ever done <laughs> of trying to get my, you know, <laughs> trying to get my guys to be trained and move them here and move them there. And, oh, I'm under attack. And it's, it's, so exciting and so frantic and so much fun. And so, yeah, even though it really is an awful place, I I, I have to shout that one out as one of my favorites from a, a fictional standpoint. 
very cool. Well, think hmm, I'm gonna do a real one actually. I was I was debating between a fictional one or a real one. Um, I'm gonna bring up Jupiter that we've mentioned a couple times on here. Jupiter being the biggest planet in our solar system, a gas giant made up of mostly hydrogen and helium. Uh, same as our sun, and it is actually, if it would have been bigger, talking about having those double suns, it is kind of considered, has been called at least, a failed star, that if it would have been bigger in size and things, it would have had the same uh, properties to be able to become a star. It has a very thick atmosphere, has rings, but they're hard to see. One day is just 10 hours, but one year is the same as 11.8 Earth years. It has 80 confirmed moons. And then it just, it looks so cool. It kind of reminds me of like those uh, liquid core, like bouncy balls or whatever, <laughs> that if you spin them, then you can kind of see like if there's glitter or something inside that it all swirls around. That's the kind of vibes I'm getting from all of the cool, like, storm clouds and gases and everything on Jupiter. And, of course, the giant red spot on there for the that storm that's been... Oh, I forgot the number now. The storm that's been going for so, so long <laughs> of the great red spot. And then, of course, the recent mission of Juno has been sent out to take pictures and measurements and things of Jupiter because they're also kind of wanting to see that there's they again they being the earth scientists <laughs> um they're kind of they're thinking that there might be an earth-sized solid core to the middle of Jupiter so the Juno spacecraft is slowly spinning um orbiting around Jupiter's poles instead of around its middle um coming as close as 3100 miles above the cloud tops and in each orbit it's taking measurements to find out whether Jupiter has a solid planetary core is also mapping Jupiter's intense magnetic field, measuring the amount of water and ammonia in the deep atmosphere, and observing the planet's auroras, which is all pretty cool, I think. This is super cool. Yeah, Jupiter is on my on honorable mentions. Um, Saturn is really beautiful. The rings are super striking. But me, personally, I think Jupiter is the coolest looking planet in the solar mm. system. Like the, those colors and the storms, it's just like super interesting. Yeah. Jupiter is awesome. Uh, Eileen, you up next? Oh, yeah. Okay. So I will move to a fictional planet, although technically this is a moon and not a planet. I'm going to talk about Pandora from Avatar. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. So Pandora, it's technically a moon, um, and it's one of actually 13 moons that are supposed to be orbiting around whatever larger planet. One thing about Pandora is that it's based on a lot of real places. So I saw a lot of places, but to list a couple, don't mind my very much butchered pronunciation, but they're the New Zealand Glowworm Caves, the Huangshan Mountains, and then this one, which I have no idea how to say, but I'll try. It's the Zhangjiaji National Forest. Eileen, <laughs> you're only you're only an official member of this podcast if you've butchered a pronunciation <laughs> of something. So welcome to the family. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's based on a lot of real places, and looking at these photos of these actual places, it's 
they're all very interesting. The glowworm caves I thought were really cool because there's all these bioluminescent glowworms and they just give this amazing effect. Also, another fun fact about it is that it is supposed to have 20% less gravity than Earth, but also it's supposed to have a much denser atmosphere. And I just think that Pandora is really cool because it has just such a very interesting color palette and I think it's just a very fascinating place visually and... You know, I I quite like the wildlife. <laughs> yeah, I really like the floating islands. That I can't yeah. remember they gave they gave an explanation in the movie that I cannot remember, but I really thought those were cool watching the movie and as they're like climbing the vines that are fl- hanging off of these like floating rock islands and stuff. That was really cool. Disney World has a section that is Avatar-like in one of their theme parks. And so those floating chunks of land, they're really cool. You know, they figured out, like, ways to sort of trick and make it look like they're floating, but really they're supported in some way. But, like, that's really cool, you know, if anybody ever gets a chance to go to Disney World and walk around that area. That's cool, yeah. Very cool looking. Nice. All right. Uh, Well, I have... One more on my main list, and then I think everything else probably honorable mentions for me. So this is also a fictional planet. It is the planet B612, uh, which is from the book The Little Prince. And B612, we would probably call it an asteroid because it's very small, but it is called a planet in the book. But it also you know, has like an atmosphere and it has living things and it has gravity, you know, it's in that sense, it's like really kind of fun that it's like, you know, you could take a walk around the whole planet. And uh, one of the things in the book they talk about is like the little prince really likes sunsets. And so there's a day where, you know, he watches the sunset and then he walks a couple steps and then he can watch the sunset again because it's this (laughs) tiny little, tiny little planet. You know, we've talked a lot about Nintendo games on this show and Super Mario Galaxy for the Wii, that kind of reminded me of this idea of these like tiny little planets because they're there's a thing in the game where you can run around these tiny little planets and and um, you know jump from planet to planet, but they all have their gravity and hold you there. So in a very whimsical way, like it's a really fun idea. But then also, I mean, I really love the book, The Little Prince. It's a short, short story. It's sort of for children, but also really has a lot of pretty deep themes and ideas. You know, the prince talks about having to take care of this little planet and having to, like, make sure, you know, when the baobab trees get planted, he's got to rip them up. He's got to weed because otherwise they're going to overgrow this entire tiny little planet, this little precious place that he has. Anyway, it's a very fun, it's a whimsical little place, but also just a really nice Nice book. If you have never had the chance to read The Little Prince, I'd recommend it. I like that one. Yeah. Um, I have one more I just want to talk about briefly before my the honorable mentions, and that is uh, the third brightest thing in our sky. So obviously the brightest is the sun, second is the moon, and third thing that is the brightest in our sky is Venus. I think Venus is such a cool planet, despite the fact that it seems like a real inhospitable, horrible place. <laughs> it is beautiful. It's a very beautiful planet. So it's the second uh, It's the second planet closest to the sun. It is also the planet in our in our solar system that is the most similar in size to Earth. Shannon, as you mentioned, it uh, rotates the uh, other way. Venus has a super thick carbon dioxide atmosphere, 
And that combined with sulfuric acid clouds that cover the planet, they lead to an extreme greenhouse effect. So the average temperature on the surface of Venus is 867 degrees Fahrenheit. That's a lot. Don't forget the active volcanoes. <laughs> Don't forget. Yep. <laughs> and the pressure uh, at sea level is 92 times that of Earth's. So it's not a, a pleasant place to to stand on. Um, we have sent probes to Venus. We have, and, and the Russians have, none of them have lasted longer than about two hours on the surface before they have broken and melted. <laughs> they, have not, they have not done well. But it is pretty cool. You can look up. We have photographs from uh, the surface of Venus. There's actually an audio recording of Ooh. the winds on Venus you can listen to. And it sounds That's real cool. spooky. It's real spooky sounding. But yeah, so they, we have successfully landed there. They have not survived. About 30 miles up from the surface, though, in the atmosphere of Venus, when you get way, you know, way up there, 30 miles up, it actually is relatively similar conditions to Earth. And I actually watched a video, a YouTube video a while back of a theoretical, uh, who knows, you know, maybe many, many, many years from now when we're a little more well-traveled in our solar system, uh, a theoretical mission to Venus that would involve not going down to the surface with people, but basically balloons that would float in the atmosphere in this habitable zone where people could actually go, you know, it'd be like a space station basically that is in this upper atmosphere in a more habitable zone. Cloud Again, City. It, yeah, totally. It's yeah. best for Again, very theoretical. It's just a, a cool idea, but one that is technically, you know, possible eventually maybe. But yeah, I just think Venus is such a, such a, uh, Beautiful planet to look up at the night sky. You know, when you usually that morning star, the evening star, you know, the star bright, star bright, first star I see tonight, odds are that first star you see in the sky is going to be Venus because that is <laughs> by far the brightest thing in the sky as far as a star mm. shape in the sky. That's not the moon or the sun. Very cool. Well, my last one is going to be a fictional one, um, and it is the planet of Lumar from the book Tress of the Emerald Sea, which is one of the books that Brandon Sanderson wrote um, as part of his, like, Sanderson subscription box <laughs> that I think we've talked about it before that during the pandemic, he wrote just a ton of books within a year and he just cranked them all out as part of a couple months, like a new book every couple months. Um, Tress was the first one, I think, of that series. And it is a very good book. But basically, uh, how let me pull up the tab. I was looking at pictures of Venus. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so Lumar is very cool. It is a desolate world with 12 massive geostationary moons. These moons continuously pour spores, which conglomerate into 12 distinct seas. Each of these seas is characterized by a different color based off wh of which type of spore it's made out of. And then those sand-like spores act uh, somewhat like typical water seas, making them saleable due to the fact that fluidization occurs. And then each of those different spores um, react differently when exposed to water. That's all stuff that's very key to the plot. We've talked about how Brandon Sanderson is very cool. Uh, is very good at building cool worlds. And it was just, it's a really cool planet. And the fact that, I mean, we've kind of talked about, we just said with Bespin that, you know, gas planets being habitable and this one being so unique that, the whole thing is covered in essentially sand. Back to Tatooine. But instead, they are 
um, these spores that have a very unique way of reacting to things. And so like in the book, they talk about the dangers of rain because Tress is living uh, in the Emerald Sea, which if they get wet, these spores explode into vines and trees and things that could easily capture a ship and would wrap it up. It could break it if you accidentally ingested one. That would not be a good way to go. She travels to some other ones that like explode in like red spikes and crystals and stuff. And so it's a very cool world. Lumar is a very cool planet. So yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, uh, for my final one, I will talk about none other than the fourth planet from the sun (laughs) in our solar system, Mars. So yeah. So I'm sure that we all know about Mars. So Much like most of the other planets in our solar system, it was formed about 4.5 billion years ago. As many people may know, it was named after the Roman god Mars, or also known as the Greek god Ares. It was named after uh, this god because of its red surface. It reminded the people of blood. And its red surface actually comes from the amount of iron dust that is present in the soil. So that gives it that red appearance. The atmosphere of Mars is actually almost entirely made up of carbon dioxide, with about 95% of the total atmosphere just being carbon dioxide, as well as nitrogen, argon, oxygen, carbon monoxide, water, methane, and a bunch of other chemicals. One interesting thing about Mars, though, is that it is incredibly cold, and its temperature ranges from negative 225 degrees Fahrenheit to a comfortable 70 degrees Fahrenheit. (laughs) But yeah, I think that Mars is that Mars is just a interesting planet. I think a lot of people say Mars when they're talking about their favorite planets, but I still think it's it's a cool one. It's interesting. The other thing I think is so cool about Mars, just again going back to my love of space, you know, space exploration and rockets and all that sort of thing, Mars is the most likely for us to go to first, mm-hmm. right? Like there's very theoretical talk of, you know, this thing to to Venus, these I see in science fiction, the the, the science fiction that tries to be more grounded or whatever, talk about missions to some of these moons of Jupiter and Saturn and whatnot. But like, I mean, we're working currently on going to Mars and I hope it happens sooner rather than later. I want to see that. Like, I think that's going to be the coolest thing. You know, I, I didn't experience the moon landings in person, but I would love to be gathered around the TV or the computer or whatever to be watching when we put a person on Mars. That'd be so cool. I hope it, cool. I hope it happens soon. Like, I want to see it also. I, that's That would be amazing. Yeah. I would, especially since I wasn't alive for the first moon landing. Neither were we, Eileen. Neither were it's us. True. We're not that old. <laughs> <laughs> well, I something else I really like about Mars is how much that, yeah, it's within reach, so to say, and that... Um, there's so many comparisons between Mars and Earth, and maybe those are old studies now of discussing the potential of maybe Mars used to be like Earth however many years ago. And But what I think is really cool is in all of those comparisons that, you know, they have canyons, like Mars has canyons and these huge mountains, but like those comparisons are <laughs> are so extreme that like Olympus Mons is how many times larger than Everest? And, you yeah. know, it. I, I think that's just, it's wild to imagine. And like, you almost can't wrap your head around it to see such something so large in such like an extreme way. So I think that's cool. Uh, Nolan, did you have any others? Do you want to, should we wrap it up and do honorable mentions? Uh, I just have honorable mentions. All right, cool. Well, I guess, yeah, there's a good spot to wrap it up. 
Uh, Nolan, Eileen, thank you so much for joining. You guys were the perfect guests for this topic. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for having us. Yeah. Super good. Yeah. Eileen, we'll have to have you back on again before too long. Thanks for teaching us. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I learned a lot. This was good. <laughs> really good. But I guess this is a good spot to wrap it up. As usual, we want to hear what you think. Send us an email at thefavoriteshow at gmail.com. Look us up on Instagram at thefavoriteshowpodcast. Let us know your favorite planets, real, fictional, in our solar system, X, X, uh, exoplanets. exoplanets that's the word <laughs> see I, I learned and forgot instantly uh, <laughs> <laughs> let us know what your favorites are also let us know if you have suggestions for future topics or guests or whatever make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and we'd love a five star rating if you like what you hear and if you don't feel like giving us a five star rating it's probably because you're just sour about Pluto still right you <laughs> yeah. remember it being a planet and you were bummed that it's not a planet anymore but look it's great it's a nice little guy <laughs> it's, it's Pluto and friend will always have a <laughs> A warm place in our hearts, <laughs> although they are very cold. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that'll do it until next week. My name's Aaron. I'm Shannon. And I'm Nolan. And I'm Eileen. Talk to y'all later. Bye. Cue, Cue the, the music. music. All right, honorable mentions. I got to say Neptune. Neptune has the coolest colors. Now, who are we leaving out of the solar system? I feel like we've named everybody. <laughs> we didn't mention, we Mercury. Didn't mention Mercury. Mercury. Oh, Poor Mercury. Mercury. My, my very energetic mother just served us noodles. Yeah. <laughs> Poor, Mercury. <laughs> Poor Mercury. Formerly served us nine pickles. The, the pickles were Pluto. <laughs> <laughs> Forest moon of Endor. I have the honorable mention of Gateway Galaxy from Super Mario Galaxy. Nice. Ah, Bespin. I do like Cloud City. Very cool. I have an exoplanet J1407b. It's an exoplanet that's 434 light years from Earth and is in the constellation Centaurus. It has rings that are 640 times larger than Saturn's. Wow. Really cool. The planet Toril, which is where all of the D&D world is. Oh, yeah. Uh, my one other honorable mention is the exoplanet Kepler-186f. Um, it has been considered another promising candidate for habitability. It has a 129-day-long day, which is weird to say, um, and it is 580 light-years away. It also has 17% higher gravity than Earth, and if plant life does exist on it, it is probably bright red due to its atmosphere and sunlight conditions. Cool. cool. I'll mention Ceres. Ceres is a dwarf planet that was discovered back in 1801 because it is closer to us than Jupiter. I'll mention Naboo from Star Wars. That seems like a Ooh. real pleasant place to be. Yes. Uh, Crate from Star Wars. Not a pleasant place to be. <laughs> was in The Last Jedi. It was the salty one that was red underneath. Had the crystal foxes running oh. around. Yeah, yeah. I got an unpleasant place. SR388 from Metroid, which is the home planet of the Metroids. And, and I believe that was inspired by LV426 from the movie Alien. That's not a pleasant planet either, but uh, it's a favorite for the creepy. Nice. Camino, the water planet from Clone Wars. Oh, nice. I have to do a quick shout out to all my favorite planets from Futurama. We got Decapod 10, Virgon 6, Amazonia, Omicron Persei 8, Chapek 9, which is the robot homeworld, the Neutral Planet, the Brain Slug Planet, Dog Do 7, the Globetrotter Homeworld, and Cineplex 14. <laughs> oh man, those are good. That is good. 
some good <laughs> memories from each of those places. Yeah. <laughs> some <laughs> dumb ones, too. <laughs> the Globetrotter home world. <laughs> Stupid. 